Hi, I'm Matthew Kane, and this is the Dirty Air F1 Podcast. of the Dirty Air F1 podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Kane. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode, I'm going to share my thoughts about preseason testing in Bahrain, as well as take a look back at the career of the queen of the Nordschleife, Sabine Schmitz. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I am the Dirty Air F1 podcast on Instagram and Dirty underscore F1 on Twitter. A quick shout out to all those people on Twitter who uh, followed me the other day. I had over 100 people follow me and then Twitter suspended my account for three days because they found my popularity suspicious. <laughs> I've, I've never had that happen before. So uh, thank you very much to all those who followed, and I will definitely follow you back. Let's take a look at testing and get on with the show. For those of you who are new to F1 and are completely confused after watching testing and the times in testing, I wouldn't worry about it. Testing certainly doesn't give us an accurate barometer as to where the teams are before the season starts, or does it? What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to run through the list of my 2021 predictions podcast and speak about the teams that way and how they perform during testing and my thoughts. So without further ado, let's talk about Haas F1. As I previously discussed, Haas have not developed that car in almost a year and a half and I've already admitted they will not be doing any developments to that car this year. It's no secret that a team like Haas doesn't have the budget of, say, Mercedes or Ferrari. For them, this test was all about getting mileage for their two rookie drivers, as well as testing the reliability of their car. Despite the horrible conditions on day one with the sandstorm, I thought Mazepin did a fantastic job. He admitted at the end of the day that he felt kind of beat up, which is no surprise, but I thought he did a fantastic job jumping up to F1 and driving, like I said, in such deplorable conditions. Mazepin was able to run a complete testing profile for himself, so that's great news for the team. His teammate Mick Schumacher wasn't as fortunate. The car encountered some technical gremlins on his first day of running that kept him off the track. And on the last day of testing, he left the pits with the jack still attached to the car. He admitted that he was afraid that he had done something wrong, but the team later confirmed that it was of no fault to mix. I don't know about you, but I I certainly thought it was kind of emotional to see the letters MSC back up on an F1 scoreboard. Mick himself had actually said he had felt quite emotional about seeing that, and I'm sure there were others in the paddock that really enjoyed that. I thought both drivers drove well and the team did look like they completed most of their testing program and they definitely looked reliable. But one would think that after all this time of not developing the car and just simply perfecting what they have, I'm not not surprised that they had good reliability in the test. So in summary, I have the Haas team still finishing in 10th and the team focused towards 2022 and developing their two rookie drivers this year, Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Next up, we have Williams F1 Racing. Williams is in a similar situation to Haas. They've decided to devote most of their resources towards their 2022 car. I thought it was great that they gave day one to their test driver, Nissani, or Nissani. I'm not too sure how to pronounce his last name. I actually felt bad for him. 
Can you imagine you've, you know, you've trained your whole life to be a Formula One driver and you get this great chance to drive a Formula One car for an entire day of testing and there's a sandstorm. Despite the horrible conditions, he did a fantastic job. He completed a ton of laps and uh, for sure completed the team's test program for the day. The team's main drivers, George Russell and Nicholas Latifi, also had full days in the car. Both of them experienced some technical gremlins, but also almost got through their testing program. It's all about mileage for these smaller budget teams. It's all about mileage. And now that F1 preseason testing is down to three days, it's even more crucial now. George Russell, after his run, had initially said that the car had taken a significant step forward. But I don't know if you've heard, but since the test, he's sort of, you know, he's taken a few steps backwards. I don't think he sounds very confident in the car, but as George has always been doing since he got into F1, he's so mature and he's so poised. He knows what the end game is. His end game is Mercedes. And he's just quietly putting in his time and doing the best he can. Kudos to George, but that car has not stepped forward and will for sure finish in ninth place this year. Nicholas Latifi ran a pretty solid test session and I think I checked most of the boxes. I expect him to improve this year, but again, that car is not going forward. I sincerely hope teams like Haas and Williams with the smaller budgets really, really do profit from their gamble by directing most of their budgets towards 2022. It's crucially important to have an American team in F1 and, of course, the Williams legacy doesn't need any explaining. Next on the list would be Alfa Romeo. I was very impressed with Alfa Romeo's testing. There's no doubting that the improved Ferrari engine has made a big difference for that car. They also spent their tokens on the front part of the car. This combination is definitely going to have them leapfrog Williams this year. I expect uh, Giovinazzi to have a, an inspired season. I believe he's on the hot seat, which will be in my next podcast, but he's driving for his place in F1 right now. His career is on the line. As for Kimi, you know, the questions are still always bouncing around, right? Is, he, is it his last year? Is his, Kimi is going to be here for as long as he's fast, and he's still fast. It was actually quite a big surprise on the final day when Kimi posted the third fastest time. I mean, the Iceman can still move it. I'm really encouraged for Alfa Romeo this year. I don't know if it's going to make any difference, but I think they will definitely widen the gap between themselves and Williams. Before I forget, the team principal, Freddie Vasseur, had actually contracted the COVID disease right before testing and was actually not even there. Thankfully, he was asymptomatic. All he had to do was quarantine, but he suffered no ill effects. He's expected to be at the first race of the season, and all is clear, so awesome. Awesome news. Next up, we have Scuderia Ferrari. <laughs> A lot of people commented about how I said that in my 2021 predictions podcast. Like I was trying to be all romantic about it or something. Scuderia Ferrari. It's just such a cool name. You have to admit it. Ferrari have me a little bit worried. I mean, I do have them in seventh, but I think they might be better than that. The engine is definitely better. And I think the earlier reports were that there's a 40 horsepower gain from last year. To all you new fans out there, this is a lesson. You know what? I still, I'm still learning this lesson, I think. You cannot count out a team like Ferrari. You cannot count out a team like Mercedes. You just can't. I thought, well, I think many people thought Carlos looked a little ragged in the car. But that's sort of, I don't know, that's sort of to be expected. Especially when a driver is coming from a different team. You know, he's used to a completely different car. I wouldn't read too much into it. As for Charles, it, again, nothing about it really impressed me. But... 
I was sort of surprised, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because we don't really know what happened last year between Ferrari and the FIA. I mean, we really don't know what they were allowed to do and what they weren't allowed to do. And are they now allowed to do it or some form of it? Who knows? But I wasn't, I wasn't expecting them to put in such a steady preseason practice session. I think based on what I saw, I, I think Ferrari's going to give me trouble at seventh place. I don't think that's going to happen. I re- yeah. Oh boy. Listen to the TFOs. Listen to them cheering right now. <laughs> well, we need Ferrari back at the front. I mean, that's just a definite. Come on, you can't have Formula One without Ferrari battling for a championship. Period. I don't care who you cheer for. So, yeah. Yeah. Impressive. But not mind-shattering. So, okay. Let's see how they do. Next up, we have Alpine Racing. And the return of two-time world champion Fernando Alonso. Fernando was immediately on the pace, which surprised no one. I mean, the man is really a phenomenal driver. I, I don't know how fast that car is going to be. One thing it was is definitely reliable. The Alpine team were pounding out the mileage. Pounding it out. I mean, Esteban, the first day, he drove the whole day in a sandstorm. The whole day. <laughs> he said he had, after he'd finished driving, there was sand all in his racing suit and in his helmet. The car didn't look especially fast, but it, again, it, it looked very reliable, and reliability is huge. It's huge, especially when you're in the midfield. I, I still, if anything, I think Ferrari might beat Alpine. But yeah, I, that's where I think Ferrari goes, is that they, they flip-flop with Alpine because I have Alpine at sixth. But overall, Fernando drove fantastic. He looked fantastic, uh, very fit, very fast. And Esteban, it might, must be said, he put in a very good test session, and the team clicked all the boxes. Reliable? Check. Fast? Not really. Next up, we have Aston Martin. And again, this this is the team that is a scary one for me now. I had Aston in at fifth, but much of that has to do with Seb having a very good year this year, with only three days of testing. It was crucial that Sebastian was able to run a full testing program, but he didn't get that. Checo said it's going to take him at least until race number four or five to fully figure out the Red Bull. That's coming from a guy who's been in the sport forever. The same applies to Seb, if we're being fair. He needed seat time and he didn't get it. Fair to say that the Aston looked very much like the Mercedes? It looked really, really twitchy. And that's just going to put Seb under a lot of pressure to drive a difficult car early on in the season, as well as trying to regain his confidence. I don't think Seb's confidence is at an all-time high right now, do you? He needs to prove something this year. He really, really does. And getting seat time in that Aston was crucial. So I definitely think Aston Martin is going to start the season a little bit on the back foot. And Ferrari are Ferrari are right behind him. I thought Lance Stroll had a pretty good test session. Um, one thing I'm really impressed about with Lance is his attitude towards Seb. Lance has been very open about how much he's already learned from Seb and how he's enjoying getting to know him more. There's definitely a mentorship role going on here. So that's probably the biggest positive for Aston coming out of this test is that their two drivers are getting along and somebody that's a four-time world champion is willing to mentor somebody who's competing directly against them because that's how they always compete, right? You're, you're always judging someone by how they perform against their teammate. Because in F1, there's sometimes there's such a huge disparity between car performance that 
The only way to judge somebody is by how they're driving against their teammate. So in summary, I think Aston Martin had a disappointing testing session. I think they lost out on an opportunity to acclimate Seb to the car. And uh, I think they're starting the season on the back foot. Next up, we have AlphaTari Honda. Wow. Well done, Honda. You know, Honda had brought the 2022 engine forward a year, and i got to say, impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. Sorry, I was actually referencing Star Wars there and didn't even realize it. But I did a terrible job of James Earl Jones. Maybe I'll, I'll put that part in the bloopers. Impressive. Most impressive. Ah, that's still terrible. Okay, so, great test. Wow. Pierre was always on the pace. The car looked incredibly fast, and it looked very stable. I actually thought it was pretty funny watching F1 rookie Yuki Sonoda driving around just abusing the DRS button. And he drove most of the lap around with the rear wing open. It still wasn't faster than Max, but boy, I, th I thought it was just pretty neat that a rookie would do that. It's almost like he was playing a video game. Both drivers completed a ton of mileage. Both were very, very fast. The car is very reliable. And the high rake, hello, the high rake looks to be paying off. Great test, all in all, right? AlphaTauri, way to go. Pierre Gasly and Sonoda looks like he's already up to speed. Wow, they're raring to go for Bahrain. I'm excited for this team. I'm definitely not changing this pick. AlphaTauri, fourth place. Now, my shocking pick was Mercedes AMG in third place. That was before the test. They had a great test, didn't they? Wow. 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 I mean, I can't recall. I can't recall Mercedes having such a terrible, terrible preseason test. I mean, Valtteri essentially sat in the garage the first day, twiddling his thumbs. And then Lewis went out there and drove sideways half the time and then beached it. Since the test, the experts have said that Mercedes' long-run pace was the best. Uh, yeah, okay. To me, Mercedes are seriously suffering with the low rake, and they, they have no rear-end grip. Nothing. Now, of course, every year everybody accuses a team like Mercedes or Ferrari. They're always sandbagging when they put in a performance like this. But I don't know. <laughs> if they are sandbagging, wow, they're, they've perfected it. Because I think this was just a terrible test. I think both drivers are struggling with the car. And it's not looking good. It's not looking good for Bahrain. I mean, if there's any team that can overcome this, it's Mercedes. Let's face it. You don't win this many championships if you can't overcome adversity. But, whoa, was that bad? Okay, they got a lot to do. They got a lot to do before uh, race day. We'll see how it goes. I think it'll take a few races for them to get back up to speed because I don't think they have a handle on that car whatsoever. And I am definitely not changing my pick that Mercedes are going to finish third this year. Just the way she goes. Just the way she goes. And you know what? I think it would be good for F1. Let's be honest. It'd be good to mix it up at the top a bit. So next up, McLaren Mercedes. Wow. The complete opposite of Mercedes AMG. I thought McLaren had a fantastic test. From start to finish, both drivers looked very confident with the car. The car looked very fast. It looked very reliable. These guys ticked all the boxes in Bahrain. I totally expect them to be on the pace from day one. Seriously, going to compete for the title this year. Daniel Ricciardo looked really at home right away. I mean, he acclimated with the team 
right away and put in some very, very impressive times. This despite him actually admitting that he wasn't quite used to the braking system yet and it was still going to take him a little bit of time to get on top of it. I'm still, I'm still totally convinced that he is going to put in some remarkable performances this year and McLaren are definitely going to contend. I thought Lando had a great test. It's great to see him and uh, Ricardo getting to know each other. They certainly get along. So I think they make a devastating team. They just make a devastating team for anybody trying to compete for the title. And I expect great things for them. Okay, we've reached the end. Red Bull. Wow. Red Bull have brought it. They have brought it, folks. The Honda engine is incredible. The car is running the high rake. It's planted. It's fast. They're confident. You can actually feel the wave of momentum that's behind this team right now. Max looks right at home with the car, and he topped the timesheets. He pounded out the mileage, and you can just see the smile on his face. They know what's going on here. This is a special opportunity. This is a special opportunity, and Red Bull is on it. I thought it was a, you know, a pretty good test session for Sergio. I think most of you know, what they were trying to accomplish with Sergio was just trying to get him used to the car, which, as I stated earlier, he said it would probably be by race four or five until he was fully comfortable with it. But what was unique about Sergio's feedback was he said he understood why other drivers had struggled to drive the Red Bull. He admitted it, that it was completely different than the Force India car or the Racing Point car. But, I mean, a man of his experience, I don't expect it to take too long. Race four or five, he's up to it. I think he'll be right there with Max. And this team is ready to rock and roll. So those are my thoughts on testing. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen. I am new at this and I am trying to do my best. I had a number of technical issues this week, including changing my podcast hosts over and everything was getting confused and views weren't being counted, etc. I really, really appreciate your patience. And I, I continue to work on this and try and share 45 years of F1 knowledge with you. Before we go to bloopers here, I, I mentioned in the introduction that I was going to talk a little bit about Sabine Schmitz. Sabine Schmitz recently passed away of cancer, and she was known as the Queen of the Nordschleife. I was aware of her career and had followed her in the past, but it wasn't until her passing that I took the time to do a little bit of research about her, and I'm really grateful that I did. Sabine Schmitz was a trailblazer. She was an enormous, enormous influence in racing and racing for women. To be considered a Nordschleife specialist is, I mean, I can't think of a higher honor in the sport. If you don't know what the Nordschleife is, uh, please, 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 please take the time to YouTube that because that is definitely a historic, historic place for motor racing. One of the things I enjoyed was watching Sabine's episode when she was on Top Gear with Jeremy Clarkson teaching him how to drive around the Nordschleife. She had an incredibly engaging smile. She was humble. <laughs> she was just, she was just such a rock star. Again, take the time. It's worth it. And I dedicate this podcast in the memory of Sabine Schmitz. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm your host, Matthew Kane. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with some of your friends who are also Formula One fans. And I'd also love to hear your feedback. Be sure to connect with me on social media, the Dirty Air F1 podcast on Instagram, and Dirty underscore F1 on Twitter. I'll see you there. Before I wrap up here and go to some bro uh, go to some broopers. What's a brooper? Valtteri basically sat in the garage the whole day twiddling his tum twiddling his tums. Poor Valtteri and his tums. <laughs> What's funny? <laughs>
What's going on? He's crying. So in summary, I was definitely impressed with Alfa Romeo during testing. Will it make a difference for the season? Uh, why do I say, uh, is this my hockey players? Uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, why? It's like, it's part of my DNA. Uh. A blow to the head with a helmet on doesn't hurt nearly as much as a blow to the head without. <laughs> you did a good job. Really good job. No, I did a job. I did a job. I did a job. I did a job. That's it. I did a job. I am so sorry to the whole team. I am stupid. As much as in Baku.